You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Well, the proud boys today are not so proud. Oh, no! Whereas before, they were boisterous and loud. Yeah, they were. Now those wimps will wail and whine, cause they're set to do hard time. Oh, yeah. Seems sedition may no longer be allowed. Oh, no. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? We started off today with a short and sweet one from our pal Bruce W. Nelson. Or is it Mangy Fetlocks? We'll never know. Um, but yes, so there's, uh, there's, there's Bruce singing the news for us. The big story today is Proud Boys Found Guilty. After a trial that lasted about 15 weeks, Former Pride Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario and three other members of the group were found guilty this morning on charges of seditious conspiracy. That's about as as hard as they come related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So Tario and three other defendants, whose names don't really matter, but, you know, in case you're wondering, Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, and Zachary Rail or EHL, were also convicted of destroying government property and obstructing congressional proceedings. Now, a fifth defendant, Dominic Pizzola, barely avoided that uh, seditious conspiracy conviction due to a deadlocked jury. So they didn't acquit him, but, you know, they deadlocked on him. He was also convicted of obstruction and a bunch of other felonies related to the breach of the Capitol, all five of them were found guilty of a conspiracy to disrupt the duties of law enforcement and members of Congress. Now, the the maximum uh, sentence for these charges is somewhere in the like 30 to 50 year range. I hold no illusions that any of these 
criminals will be sentenced to 50 years in prison. Though, wouldn't that be lovely? Just as the former guy is touting his his J6 choir record, it, it really is opposite world. You know, I talk about opposite world all the time, but we're now deeper in it than we've ever been before. Everything you thought you knew, you never knew at all. Sideways is straight ahead. Facts no longer matter. Reality is now fiction. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Opposite World. Ah, so, uh, you know, this. the Justice Department is obviously happy about this. In fact, Merrick Garland is supposed to be holding a press conference. Now, it was promoted that it was going to happen at 4.15. It's now 5.03. So, obviously, it's it's not happening yet. And uh, if, you know, at first I got all excited. It was, ooh, what's next? And then I realized, no, he's going to, he's going to take credit for the conviction of the Proud Boys on charges of seditious conspiracy. And that's, that's pretty epic. Um, So that's good news. There's other weird news out today from ProPublica. That's the, um, uh, the, the, the great investigative journalism uh, collective that really got to the bottom of the uh, Clarence Thomas Harlan Crow. Did I do I call it a friendship? I don't think it's a friendship. I think it is a um, an arrangement. It's their arrangement. So we had learned. First of all, what we learned is that Lisa Graves had warned us about um, uh, uh, about uh, the Harlan. Uh, Crow and his involvement with Clarence Thomas. A while ago, when she was on the show last week, I played a bit of her testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee in which she invoked his name. She told us about Harlan Crow and that there was a kind of a creepy relationship there, something certainly deserving of some scrutiny, certainly of disclosure. But today we get to say, but wait, there's more. Oh, yes, our friends at ProPublica, again, with another blockbuster story. Because if that's not enough, and even after we watched the, um, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Republicans make excuses for Clarence Thomas, bend over backwards, tying themselves in, in, in pretzels to excuse the corruption. Um, today we learn, all right, let me, let, me, let me pull this up so I can read it to you. Um, Republican megadonor Harlan Crow paid for the private schooling of a relative of Clarence Thomas. I guess it's his like grand nephew or something, but he raised him as a son. Okay, you got this? So so it's a it's a relative of Clarence Thomas's who I guess he and Ginny took in and were raising as if it was their child. Now You know, I I don't know what the salary of a Supreme Court justice is, but that's easy enough to find out with just a few keystrokes. Supreme Court justice salary. Um, This year, oh, $239,442. Even though it's increased, you know, a, a bit over the year, you get the idea of the neighborhood that the salary of the Supreme Court justice is in, right? Well, 
Harlan Crow's comment, and I wish I had pulled it. I don't have it. But it's something along the lines of, how dare those partisan Democrats make this into a, a, you know, a, a, a partisan witch hunt? I was helping promote education of an underprivileged kid. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, his, the people who have taken him in and, and raised him as their son, who uh, Clarence's salary alone in the neighborhood of a quarter of a million dollars a year. And that's not even including the, the grift that Ginny Thomas brings in. And we know it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, money that Clarence conveniently forgot to include on his financial disclosure forms for years and years and years and years and years. But of course, that's reasonable, don't you know, say the Republicans. In fact, a friend of, of Clarence Thomas's, a man named Mark Paoletta, released a very lengthy statement lauding the Thomas's generosity in raising the boy, confirming the payments and arguing that they, quote, did not constitute a reportable gift. Really? Uh, Try grift. They constitute a reportable grift. Now, Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin said that he read the story with, quote, a combination of sadness and rage. And he said the story is getting worse by the day. And later on, he said on CNN, I guess later this morning, quote, the reputation of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is at stake here. It's at stake. I, I think it's pretty much trashed, as is, you know, what was left of the um, the Republicans in Congress. Their their reputation is trashed too. Here here's a here's the. Um, Uh, CNN reporting on the story when it broke this morning. New this morning, ProPublica has just released a new investigative report raising more questions about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's relationship with that Republican megadonor Harlan Crow. ProPublica says the Texas billionaire actually paid for Justice Thomas's grandnephew to attend private boarding schools in Georgia and Virginia after they dug into unrelated court filings. Justice Thomas had legal custody of the boy who was identified in the report as Mark Martin. Martin lived with Justice Thomas and his wife, and they were said to be raising him as a son. What's unclear this morning is how much the bill was. Yeah. ProPublica does say that Crow picked up the full tab, according to a school administrator, a former school administrator. It could have exceeded $150,000 based on these public records. ProPublica says Thomas did not disclose the payments from Harlan Crow, what the payments for the tuition. He did once disclose a $5,000 contribution to the boys' education from another friend, but not these. Huh. Crow's office responded to this report with a statement saying Harlan Crow has long been passionate about the importance of quality education and giving back to those less fortunate, especially at-risk youth. It's disappointing that those with partisan political interests would try this, to turn helping at-risk youth with tuition assistance into something nefarious or political. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I need to back up and hear that quote again. I, something about Caitlin Collins' voice, just it's like... um. It, it it's it, it like it, it comes it becomes a tone to me and I don't really hear it. But but what I did get is, excuse me, she's she's uh, quoting Harlan, uh, whatever his name is, um, and his ridiculous response to the news, uh, not, the breaking story. Right, he did once disclose a five thousand dollar contribution to the boys education from another friend. 
but not these. Okay. Crow's office responded to Crow's the support with a statement saying Harlan Crow has long been passionate about the importance of quality education and giving back to those less fortunate. To those less fortunate. This young man, maybe he came from a less fortunate home, but the Thomases were raising him as a son. As Spocko in the chat room, uh, thankfully, gave us some background, Ginny Thomas's net worth, according to Forbes, this year, $80 million. $80 million. That's Ginny alone. Clarence, you know, Uncle Thomas, it, the, the boy is his nephew or great nephew or something. So Uncle Thomas kind of works there, just saying. Um, his net worth, $24 million in assets, $17 million monthly, $17 million, oh, monthly salary, 21, oh, I see, net worth, $24 million, assets, $17 million, monthly salary, 21000 liabilities and loans, $5 million, investments, $9 million, taxes paid, 36210 Look, I'm no mathematician, <laughs> Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but even I know that's some, whoops, that's some, hold on, um, that's some bullshit there. I know, long road to hoe. But, but seriously, they can afford whatever the private school tuition is. Although, they may as well just move to Florida, where the Florida legislature under Governor Death Sentence signed, it passed into law this, this session, um, a thing that, that will allow anybody in Florida to pull their child out of the public school system, send them to a private school at the taxpayer's expense. They are voucherizing education in Florida while killing our, our public schools. It's a lovely, there's more about Florida today in the news that if we have time, we'll get to later. It's, it's insane. But I digress. Back to uh, the story that ProPublica broke this morning especially at-risk youth it's disappointing that those with partisan political interests would try to turn helping at-risk youth with tuition assistance into something nefarious or political that was a quote from harlan crow's office that it's it's sickening or i'm paraphrasing that that those partisan actors would turn this i i, I need to hear it again I, i'm just astounded interest would try to turn helping at Partisan interests, right? Risk youth. It's disappointing that those with partisan political interests would try to turn helping at-risk youth with tuition assistance. Helping at-risk youth with tuition assistance. They basically adopted this kid, although not completely, because, you know, who would want to make it official? But they're raising him as their son. Is that considered an at-risk youth? And did they need assistance in sending him to school? I think not. I think this is some bullshit class, a grade a bullshit. And then for him to say it's a partisan thing, those 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 those, you know, corruptible Democrats look in the mirror, Mr. Crow, go to the mirror, boy. Yeah, sorry, that that's reference from Tommy. It was nothing racial there. I feel like I got to correct, you know, got to fend off any kind of uh, of 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 criticism for things that aren't there anyway anyway so that happened today this story keeps getting worse and worse and and again i'm i'm i remember the hearing earlier this week we had lisa graves on talking about it and it was opposite world it was just astounding to see how these republican senators you know twisted themselves into in such contortions to 
say, oh, it's all it's the Democrats. They're you know they they're politicizing this. Whoops. Um. Anyway, so there we are. There was one other breaking news story today that um, you know, in the in the big picture of things, looking at the Proud Boys uh, convictions and the you know the corruption of our Supreme Court and like that. Um, that is kind of small potatoes, but not really. So there's an artist, a singer-songwriter, recording artist, big star, not, not really my music, but a guy named Ed Sheeran, who's hugely pop- popular, and he had a big hit song, a song called uh, Thinking Out Loud. I've heard it a few times. I don't know it well, frankly. I'm not big on hit music. I'm not big on, you know, top 40 popular music. I like more eclectic stuff. But... Um, Ed Sheeran had a big hit with this song, Thinking Out Loud. He's had a number of hits. He's actually a talented guy, right? So he was sued by not Marvin Gaye's estate, but a guy who I guess co-wrote Let's Get It On with Marvin, whose name I'm blanking on right now. I'm expecting David to come in any minute and tell me because David is like a number one Marvin Gaye fan. Um, and so there was a lawsuit, a plagiarism lawsuit, with the, the co-writer uh, of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, uh, saying that Ed Sheeran plagiarized the, two, the, the, the music for, of Let's Get, it, Get, Let's Get It On for his song Thinking Out Loud. Now, I hear those things. You know me. I'm a music nut. I never heard I never heard the similarity. I get it. It's similar chord progressions. They may even be the same chords, but there's only how many chords? There's like eight notes, right? So there's just so much you can do. That's original. But somebody, I don't know who did this. Somebody put together a mashup of Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud and Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. And though they flow nicely together, I wouldn't, I would not um, confuse one with the other. Don't work like they used to before. So this is Ed Sheeran, obviously. And I can't sweep you off of your feet. Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? Darling, I... I've been really trying, Sorry, that they are... Do- but th- this is not different everything baby my heart could still fall less hard at 23 it's not let's get it on it's a nice mashup though come on come on so honey now when they cut to this, it's like that doesn't that's not a continuation. Right. I, I, I you know, look, I, I I also did not agree that the band Spirit plagiarized or, or that 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 uh, Led Zeppelin plagiarized a spirit song for Stairway to Heaven. You know, I'll tell you who um, who was guilty of, of plagiarism. And I just said it was it was George Harrison because my sweet Lord was. He's so fine, or she's so fine. That oh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta turn this down before I can take this call. Um, yeah, so you know, I'm glad the jury had the right uh, answer on that one. 
Um, uh, you know, you, you can't even put Marvin Gaye and Ed Sheeran in the same statement together because they're on two different planes. But anyway, hi, who's this? Yes, my name is Anthony. Hi, Anthony. I called you before. Uh, you were going to a concert, but um, the reason why I'm calling now, I just want to ask the question, how many other youths, I'm sorry, how many other at-risk youths <laughs> had Harlan Crow help? Um, good question. You know, that's worth somebody looking into because I'm guessing that at-risk youths not living in the home of somebody who, oh, say, was a Supreme Court justice, probably the number is close to zero. <laughs> exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a sad and 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 watching these Republican senators on that committee earlier this week falling all over themselves to make excuses and say there's nothing wrong here. It's all partisan nonsense on behalf of the Democrats. Such bullshit that I'm amazed that they didn't all have to leave the room from the stench. Well, one and then two, even looking at the Supreme Court, you know what? You, You got it going on with Gorsuch. Yep. And Kavanaugh. Oh, yes. And yet, nobody's saying anything about it. Nobody will even bring it up. Um, well, you know? they, I, and it's, well nobody, and, y- y- Democrats are, the, you know, but the media is complicit here, too, because they're not... Exactly. They're they're not going. Uh, thanks for P- ProPublica. I'm going to have to reach out to them and try to get some of these reporters on the air. Um, why this isn't blowing up everywhere? I think a lot in the media are afraid of losing access, and that's the problem. And you know what? This is a perfect segue, Anthony, into our guest today because um, there. Do you know? Are you familiar with the group Reporters Without Borders? Absolutely. Okay. So each year they put out their index, the World Press Freedom Index. Just to take a guess, where do you think in the world, say there's 180 countries in the index, where do you think the United States falls on the global scale of freedom of the press? Probably about 171. Oh, you you don't have a very uh, <laughs> um, high opinion. You know, the world always points to the United States because we have freedom of, of the press. We're, no, we're not that far down, but we're also not up near the top. We came okay. in at number 45, which is actually up a little bit from where we were under Trump, who called yeah, the yeah, press the enemy of the people. So, um, yeah, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to speak with the the U.S. Bureau Chief of Reporters Without Borders about that 2023 uh, Freedom of the Press Index. So it's it's interesting. Oh, yeah. And I'll be waiting. Cool. Well, thank you for the call. It's good to hear from you. And I'll be calling you back again. Sounds good. You take care. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You as well. You know, um, Anthony. oh, Oh, okay. Well. Okay, now I don't even see where this call is coming from. Where is it? That's weird. I I would answer it, but, <laughs> but I don't see it. That's strange. Okay, who's ever calling? Sorry. Um, weird. And it's not it's not coming from that computer because it's coming from this one. And I don't even see another um phone thing happening. So so sorry whoever's calling. I can't I can't get your call. Um oh there we go. Ah it's Robert in Naples. Hey Robert. <laughs> hey Nicole. How you doing? I'm good. I wanna uh, yep. I wanna wish your your daughter a happy birthday and I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I Thank am you. also an adoptive parent. I oh. have a daughter who's thirteen years old 
and we we got her and uh she's we got her from uh, uh an open adoption kind of a thing it, you know but we we didn't go around the world like you did but uh some people have to do that and, and and some could do it here and if you could just if if you I I wouldn't suggest adopting children just for the sake of adopting if you have it in your heart you do it if you can't do it don't do it because there's been some people that don't shouldn't be around kids. Oh, without <laughs> a doubt. Good. But you know what? Let me let me give the other side of it, which is, you know, this is a tough world. I would not want to bring a new life into this world with climate change and the political climate as it is. The last if I were still of childbearing age, I wouldn't want to have a baby. I wouldn't want to bring a baby into the world. But I'll tell you what, there are probably millions of children here in the United States and around the world who really need a home. And so yeah. if you if you have a burning desire to be a parent, instead of you, the yeah, people who go who yeah. spend thousands of dollars on in vitro fertilization and shit like that to get pregnant, I don't get it. Adopt a child that's already here who needs a right. family and and right. save yourself the heartache and the money. Right. So I, I, I really called for uh, Clarence Thomas, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who's also politically astute like you and like everybody else and uh, that listens to the show. I, and I was thinking, there's a way to get Clarence Thomas, and I think I figured it out. I mean, if he's claiming this kid as a dependent on his taxes. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's not He's not indigent youth that Harlan Crow is, is plucking a child off the streets right. and giving him a good education. Exactly. And this is something me and you can uh, we understand, right? Yep. And um, I, and I'm saying this is that if he's collecting, if he's, he's declaring him as a dependent, and he's he's getting free education, a six thousand, uh, you know, I don't know how much was it, six thousand a month. We don't know what it so was. Not, so, yeah, we don't. Okay, know. let's just let's just put it around now. Let's say it's seventy thousand a year for that special school that he goes to, with you know all the perks that go with it and right. everything like that. Well, that's that's taxable income. It's it's, it's called windfall. Yeah. I mean, he should have to pay. Something on like thirty percent. I won a car one time. I had to come up. The, the guy says, "Hey, you won." I said, "Okay, what do I do now?" He goes, "Oh, you pay you taxes on it to the IRS, right? Thirty. You pay taxes on it right away. Thirty six hundred dollars back then, twenty years ago. You know, and it, you know, it, with that said, I'm guaranteeing you, if you go through his taxes, he never paid taxes on that. It's oh, you're right. Or for his mother, or his mother's home. His mother's. Uh, it, it doesn't. I don't think he's not, he's not yep. responsible for his mother, but no, his but is. Yep, but Harlan Crow bought her home at that what that that Clarence had owned and and fixed it up for her and she's living there in perpetuity until she dies rent free. Yeah. Lovely. I, mean, I want uh, that kind of arrangement. Uh, Nicole, listen to this is the last thing about that Crow guy. I guarantee you dollars to donuts that at the end of the fiscal year he wrote that kid's tuition off, he wrote his mother's like uh, Clarence Thomas's mother off on the taxes. And declared it as charitable income. So not just he didn't fucking pay the thing. Me and you paid for that That's fucking right. house and that kid's education. Yes, we he did. Gets to write it off and play Santa Claus. All right. You're I'll absolutely you, right. Okay. Thanks, so, Robert. Good to hear from you. Bye. bye. All right. So I'll tell you, it's getting down to okay. I got a time crunch here. So um, uh, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, and then we're going to get into freedom of the press. Okay. So. I've made no secret of the fact that I struggle with depression. I have since adolescence. And some weeks are better than others. Last week was horrible. I had a bad, really bad week. It was, I had a meltdown. 
I had one of those episodes where I just wanted to crawl in bed and pull the covers over my head, not talk to anyone. And when I did talk to people, I lashed out at them. You know, I call it a spiral. I went into a spiral. I thankfully got myself out of it, but it was in the middle of that that I was presented with this ad buy, that uh, the new a sponsorship, a new sponsorship for the show, a company called BetterHelp. And we could all use some BetterHelp. BetterHelp gives therapy. It's all online-based. You, you, you meet with a therapist uh, over video or on the phone. Everything's done online. But, you know, finding a therapist near me has been really difficult. And that's one of the reasons that I haven't been in therapy in the last couple of years because, you know, it's hard to to get all the ducks in a row and get it covered and all that. So when I heard that BetterHelp wanted to sponsor the show, I was intrigued. And, and again, it came at just the right time. So I signed up. And you can too. What you do is go to uh, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler. Use my name in there because it'll give you 10% off your first month. You fill out a brief questionnaire and then they match you up with a licensed therapist. And if that therapist you find is not the right person for you, you can keep changing until you find somebody that you connect with at no cost, no extra cost. It's just part of the program. And and I have my first session next week. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you about the process, about the person, whether, you know, how it goes. Um, because I don't want to advertise for something that I'm not personally um, invested in, you know. And, and we're talking about therapy. It's a very personal thing. I want to make sure that I you know, I'm on the up and up with you. So I will always be honest with you. So so do it with me if you want. Visit BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler today. And you can you sign up. You're not you're not committing to anything. But there's all kinds of um, uh, classes until you get your one on one with the therapist. There are classes you can participate in. There's a lots of lot of help on the site. So um, but go and if you decide to try it out, visit BetterHelp.com slash Nicole Sandler and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Nicole Sandler. Okay, so um, when Anthony called, we were talking about <clears throat> um, the, uh, um, the, the, the press. Um, and, you know, I've been as critical of the media as the next guy. And it's one thing to be critical of specific reporters or specific people who call themselves journalists, because not everyone who does is. Um, But the idea of a free press is, it's, it's necessary for a democracy to survive. And so every year, I, I'm always interested when I see that the Reporters Without Borders puts out its Freedom of the Press Index, World Free, World Press Freedom Index. And yesterday, the index for 2023 came out. So I put in a call to the people at uh, Reporters Without Borders and wound up speaking with the U.S. Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, who joined me. We, we taped this yesterday. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Howie's not here today because <clears throat> he had a doctor's appointment that was made for later than he had hoped. He, he, he just wasn't going to be able to be home in time. So Howie will be back next week. And um, so sorry about that. So, uh, so for today, uh, we bring you this 
conversation. Here we go. I'm joined by Clayton. Is it Clayton Weimer? How do I say, how do you pronounce your name? Weimers. Weimers. I I was correct. All right. I'm joined by Clayton Weimers. He's the executive director of the U.S. Bureau of Reporters Without Borders, which you can find online at rsf.org. And the reason it's rsf.org is because the actual name is in French. Um, um, uh, Clayton, how do you say it in French? Reporters Sans Frontières. Thank you. My, my French accent isn't nearly as cool as yours. So um, uh, explain briefly for those who don't know who Reporters Without Borders are, what you guys do. Sure. So we are a global NGO, non-governmental organization. We're the largest organization in the world dedicated to the safety, independence and crucially, pluralism of the media around the world. Uh, So we're headquartered in Paris, which is where we were founded. Um, But today we've grown to be a truly international organization with offices in 13 countries and at least one representative for 144 countries. Wow. And each year you, uh, you release an index, the World Press Freedom Index. And we're talking today because, well, we're recording this actually on on Wednesday. I like to be open and honest. We're going to air it on Thursday. But on Wednesday, you you released the the 2023 World Press Freedom Index, which evaluates the as the name suggests the freedom the of the press in each country on the planet. So how long is it? Have you guys been doing this? This is the 30th edition. The 30th edition. Wow. So, um, uh, and, and I love looking at it every year. Uh, you know, you open it up and there's a number of different <clears throat> ways you can see it. Um, one is the map. So here, let me just, uh, I'll put this graphic up for a moment. So when you go to the map page, this is what we see. This is the 2023 um, index. Now, what do the different colors signify? Sure, yeah. The green countries uh, are represent uh, the very top of the index, the countries that perform the best and have the highest scores with regards to press freedom. The dark red uh, are the bottom of the index, the worst countries with respect to press freedom, and the gradients in between you know, show um, the, the different ranges of outcomes. And the color coding is really kind of a key way to look at it in one sense because you know, out of 180 countries, if you're looking at the difference between, say, 56th and 57th, that there, there isn't a significant difference. They're basically in the same place. So I like to think of it in terms of clusters. Uh, mm-hmm. It's important to look at uh, where one country is situated among its peers um, to get a better sense of how things are. Right. So Asia is not looking so great these days. Um, but then no, again, the bottom three are all East Asian countries, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, but then again, North America's not looking so hot either. Um, so every year, uh, and I'm just scrolling through the list, and I just uh, just saw United States in here somewhere. I think I just passed it. We're all the way down at number 45. That's not very good, is it? No, it's not. Um, and I think people are shocked. Um, every time we put out this index and I like, you know, anytime I'm talking to a new group of people, I like to ask, so where do you think the United States ranks? And it is rare for someone to guess as low as forties. Um, we have this idea in the United States that, uh, we are the leaders of liberal values, uh, and democratic values. And in some respects, that's true. Um, it, it has been true at various times historically, but on press freedom, we're lagging behind a number of countries for a number of reasons. Um, And you look at the safety of journalists, uh, it's deteriorated over the past few years. 
Uh, notably, we saw a lot of arrests, especially during the Black Lives Matter protests of journalists. Uh, we've seen two journalists killed in the exercise of their duties in the past year, um, one of whom was killed by a politician in Las Vegas. Uh, and so that drags our score down. Uh, the legal framework could be a lot stronger. Uh, we could have much stronger legal protections for journalists and their sources. Uh, last year, we came very close to passing something called the Press Act, which would have enacted the first press shield law at the federal level. Uh, and what that would have done is protected journalistic sources from uh, being given over to law enforcement um, if the reporter was arrested. Um, we are sort of an outlier in the developed world for not having such a law on the books. Uh, we came close, like I said, and the, it was dropped from the omnibus bill over the objection of a single senator. And so we're going to try again and try to get that unanimous passage. Well, you know, I, I'm looking at, you, you can pull up, uh, the, the website is really designed beautifully and the charts and everything, because the index you can pull up by the year. So right now, obviously, we're talking about 2023 because it just came out. But I was wondering, you know, during the former administration, we had a president who referred to the media as enemy of the state, um, which is just horrendous. Um, and so I'm wondering, now I noticed in 2019, the United States was down like at 49, now we're up at 45. Did we drop precipitously while Trump was in office because of his attitudes toward the press? Yeah, the, the Trump administration's rhetoric was definitely a lot rougher than we're used to when we think of politicians interacting with the media. And that played a huge role in the low ranking at the time. But the rhetoric kind of belies what I see as a status quo that has largely remained unchanged in the past few years. And so I think the real story here is that even though um, Trump is no longer the president and the Biden administration is rhetorically much friendlier to the media and has reinstated a lot more regular press briefings, for example, mm -hmm. nevertheless, we have the conditions on the ground in a, in a bad state in many ways. So I talked about the legal framework just now. Uh, another big problem, and this is somewhat beyond the control of our politicians, is the economic conditions. Um, you know, we have the disappearance of local news, which is robbing communities all across the country of local coverage that holds their leaders accountable and that provides the information that citizens need to be informed. We have the consolidation of the media into the hands of a handful of companies, which deprives everyone of a pluralism of views and, and viewpoints. Um, and Above that, I'm sure you, you're well aware that being a journalist doesn't pay very well. No. There are significant barriers to getting into this line of work, um, and that discourages people from entering the field uh, and just generally depresses the news environment. Uh, all those things. Yes, we're speaking with Clayton Weimers of Reporters Without Borders. Um, you know, we have a unique situation here in the U.S. Um, and, and I don't know how unique it is to the rest of the world. I'm just watching it unfold here with horror. And that's talking about Fox. That, and I will not use Fox in conjunction with their, in their choice of monikers. They are not a news channel. They are, um, they're a cable channel who presents information that they call news but as we've learned much of it is not much of it is made up much of it is propaganda actually um finally portions of the american public got to see how deeply embedded the lies are within the culture at fox thanks to this dominion lawsuit 
but they settled it and without any um, uh, admission of guilt or um, uh, on-air apology or admission on the air what they did. And the reason I think that's important is because their viewers, many of them are exclusive. They watch Fox alone and think they're getting news. They're being lied to, but Fox did not have to admit that on the air. And I think a lot of their primary viewers don't, don't know what happened. Does this impact the ratings? And second part of the question, do other countries have media entities like Fox that, as I put it, make shit up? Last year, when we released the index, um, we always try to find a narrative that ties the whole thing together to tell a little bit of a story of the global trend. Last year's narrative uh, for our index release was the uh, increase in polarization of news and hyperpartisan news and the effect that has, especially on trust in the media. Uh, so it's really not a coincidence that at the same time you see the proliferation of partisan news, you also see this great decline in public perception of media objectivity and, and trust. Um, and that's because it's getting harder and harder uh, for the average news consumer, uh, one, to tell editorializing from journalism, and two, to tell facts and fiction. And that's being exasperated even more this year uh, with the growth of what we're calling the fake content industry. Uh, you know, uh, article, it's hard to tell these days if an article has been written by AI. It's hard to tell the difference between state propaganda and objective journalism sometimes. It's hard to tell manipulated images from genuine right. images. Um, and we are now asking anyone who wants to be an informed citizen to become essentially experts in determining facts and fiction. Uh, it's really the first time that that burden has ever been put on the public. Right. And the deep fake technology is getting more and more sophisticated. So it is hard to tell what's real. Um, I know that there are some uh, entities out there trying to come up with some kind of a code cracker so you can identify if it's a deep fake, but that doesn't exist now. So not only do we have certain outlets that call themselves news, which are essentially propaganda sources, um, it, without differentiating between themselves and what they do and actual real news organizations. Um, I know in other countries, propaganda is normal. Uh, I thought we, we, I thought that was illegal here, but maybe it's not. Is propaganda illegal in this country? Well, no, I mean, the first amendment protects speech in that sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, defining propaganda might be a little slippery. You know, one person's propaganda is another person's truth, perhaps. Um, and as an organization, you know, we don't tell journalists how to do their jobs. We don't tell interviewers what questions to ask. We don't tell op-ed writers what editorial line to take. We don't think that's appropriate. Right. As long as a clear line is drawn between this opinion-based commentary type of coverage and objective journalism, there's a place for both. Mm -hmm. They're both valuable. And like I said, we try to defend the pluralism of journalism so that the public can benefit from a wide variety of voices. But when you start deliberately or not blurring that line, then you're then you're not doing the service, uh, doing the public any service. No, no. Now, now, I, 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 how, what, 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 
what qualities or what uh, what are the elements that you look at when you determine the rankings? For instance, the number one rankings tend to always be these Nordic countries. N- Norway is once again number one, Denmark number three, Sweden number four, Finland number five, Netherlands number six. Um, they dominate the top of the, uh, there, there's a new addition to the top five this year we'll talk about in a second. But why, why those Nordic countries? Um, uh, if If I recall correctly, most of them do have sort of a democratic socialist form of government, don't they? They do. And I don't know that I would necessarily point to that as the reason. Uh, sometimes we, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg problem. You know, do strong democracies produce press freedom or does press freedom produce a strong democracy? Um, that's a little bit hard to answer. They're clearly correlated, though. Um, what I will say that the countries that consistently perform well at the top of the index all have in common is one, journalists are safe there. They're not being attacked in the streets. Um, if a crime is committed against a journalist, the le- the legal system is equipped to deal with it and to seek justice for them. So that that's really just the baseline there. But beyond that, you see robust public funding for the media uh, that allows it to thrive uh, without a profit principle. And so that prevents, like I said, the consolidation of media that we see a lot in the United States or the disappearance of local news uh, because it's driven by the public interest. And then the last thing, and this is really the crucial point, especially if you're pairing it with public funding for media, is strict legal separation of state authorities from newsrooms from editorial boards. Uh, Just because public funding is going to media does not mean the state can tell the media what to say or how to say it. Uh, So you need need the funding in place, but you need the independence of the media respected at the same time. And these countries all do that very well. Gotcha. Um, And they're also, you know, well, Denmark, which is what, number, hold on, let me scroll all the way up again. Denmark is number three this year, is often uh, comes in at the, on the happiness index as the happiest place on earth. I thought it was Disneyland, but you know, I guess it's Denmark. So they've got a lot well, going for them. We, we haven't added Disneyland to our press freedom ranking <laughs> yet, but you know, maybe for next year. Maybe. You might want to come down here to Florida where Disney World has its own challenges dealing with a governor who wants to muzzle the press. He wants to make it easier to sue a a media outlet um if you think that they've somehow wronged you uh what are your what what what's the opinion of reporters without borders on something like that yeah i'm glad you brought that up because there's this emerging thought line that we see uh coming from you know some political figures saying that the media enjoys too much freedom, actually, and that we need to rein that in. And what they're looking at in particular is overturning uh, a Supreme Court decision called Sullivan versus New York Times, which established uh, what we refer to as the actual malice standard when we're talking about defamation. The long and short of it is that you have to prove in a court of law that a media organization Malicious, knowingly and maliciously defamed you in order to win a defamation suit against against a journalist or against a media outlet. And the reason that's important is because journalists need to be uh, need to feel free to pursue. Uh, stories about people in power without fear of legal retribution. Um, They shouldn't feel free to defame, obviously, or to uh, cast lies. But, you know, human error is inevitable, and we can't create an environment of fear that uh, suppresses the journalistic impulses in the first place. 
So we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, the Dominion versus Fox settlement. And I think one takeaway is that we don't actually need to revisit the Sullivan standard because what happened was a media outlet was sued for defamation. Mm -hmm. They decided to settle at great cost. They let go of the face of their network over it. And, you know, we will see if there is more lasting change coming out of this. But that tells me the system more or less worked. In in one respect, yes. But the fact that they're still the number one cable, not news channel. um, And even though if you compare their numbers to over the air broadcast television, they're not even in the same category. So I I think we need to put that in perspective. But but Fox does have an inordinate amount of power that they're using uh, to misinform people with disinformation and i think that's dangerous and i'm hoping that's one of the reasons pulling down the united states in this index um one last question so we obviously the nordic states always do well happy times up there it's a little too cold for me um but but you mentioned the 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 um countries that are at the bottom of the list and and rounding out the bottom this is not not places on my bucket list for vacations um the bottom five, Syria is 175, Turkmenistan is 176, Iran 177, Vietnam is 178, followed by China at 179 and North Korea at the bottom of the list. Um, can you even get information on the press in North Korea? How do you get, how do you find out what's going on there in their media? Oh, that's incredibly difficult. Well, the only media that exists is uh, officially state-sanctioned media, which simply repeats the lines of the government. There is no independent media. There is no journalism happening in North Korea to the extent that the country is covered. It's covered from abroad and from afar uh, by expats and experts who try to read read between the lines sometimes. But you can't get reliable information in within North Korea or from North Korea from the outside. Right. Um, It's it's the most closed information space in the world. Um, Right ahead of them is China, um, where it is technically possible to operate as a journalist, and there are a number of you know state media outlets that do journalism. Um, but China is the number one jailer of journalists in the world. Uh, there are 114 journalists currently behind bars in China, um, and you know that that is enough to get you to the bottom of the list right there. Well, and um, Russia. Another thing. That- Sorry, I was going to say the other thing those two countries have in common is a closed internet. Um, and so the exchange of information is highly, highly restricted. Gotcha. No, I was going to say Russia is 164. They just a week or two ago jailed yet another U.S. journalist, a Wall Street Journal reporter. Um, I'm surprised they're not even lower. Well, you get to a point where it's hard. See, this is, this is the thing with uh, I, I, I mentioned. I mentioned this earlier, is that um, it's better to look at the clusters of countries right. than at the, the number and comparing and nitpicking exactly where a country is in the ranking. Because you, when you get down to the bottom of the list, you get to a point where it's hard to get any worse. <laughs> um, and that, that, that's the sad truth of it, is that you run you run out of space at the bottom. Um, if you are in the bottom, you know, past 150 or so, 
this is a country that effectively doesn't have an independent media where objective journalism cannot be done and where journalists are frankly un- unsafe at all times. Gotcha. Now, one one shining uh, country on the on your list is Ireland, who was always up high last year was number six, but jumped up to number two. What what brought that about? Yeah, Ireland has a lot of the same conditions you see in the other countries that do very well on these in, on the index. Uh, you know, so we we have a range of, uh, of of different scores that we take from our panel of experts. Uh, so we we examine the political situation, the legal framework, the economic situation, the security situation, and when you put all those together, you find that everything is working well in Ireland. Journalists are able to do their jobs without fear of reprisal, uh, you know, harassment is relatively low uh, online uh, compared to other places. Um, you know, there is funding available for independent media and there's a rich plurality of media. Um, so, you know, it's really the same, like I said, the same story across all the countries that are doing well on the index. Great. Well, uh, it's, it is encouraging. I thought, you know, this past weekend we saw the return of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which sort of went away during the Trump years because, well, he considered the press the enemy of the people. And to hear the president get up there and talk about the importance of a free, uh, open press, um, I thought we needed to hear. It was great to hear him say that. I don't know that it makes any difference except I'm sure it does to journalists who are working hard to try to report the truth every day. These things matter. You know, when President Biden gets up and says journalism is not a crime in front of the White House Correspondents Association, that is a big difference from his predecessors saying that the media are the enemy of the people. And these signals get picked up all down the line by other governments um, who, who pick up the signal on what American values are these days and what we're going to care about. And also by average citizens who, you know, interpret how they should feel about the media. Time after time around the world, what we see when uh, political leaders are dismissive of the media or cavalier about press freedom, their supporters often take that as a signal to increase their harassment of yep. journalists online or worse in real life. Um, it, it happens quite frequently. It happened during the Trump administration, certainly. And so, yeah, it does matter when President Biden says journalism is not a crime. Here's where it also matters. We can hold it to it. When he makes that kind of a public pronouncement, we can come back and say, yes, so we need these commitments from the United States to do better so that we're not 45th on the world. Exactly. Well, exactly. And and in that spirit, uh, Clayton, maybe we can wrap up by saying, look, the, the media, the image of the, the media as an entity, as a monolith, has taken a real hit in recent years. And I, I blame a lot of it on the former administration. Um, but and, and I can be as critical as the next guy about individual reporters or individual channels, Fox as a prime example, um, and others. You know, I'm not so thrilled with CNN these days either. However, I do understand the importance of a fair and free press. The fourth estate, as it was always called. To the people who just listen to the anger of the moment and the political rhetoric of the, you know, people like DeSantis and Trump, um, explain how important a, a free press is to a democracy to a free society. Sure. You know, sometimes when I hear other people talking about press freedom, it gets framed as the rights of journalists. That's only a part of it, though. 
What it really is, is all of our right to information. Mm. We all have the right to be active citizens in a democracy, but that is not possible without accurate, reliable information. Uh, and so without journalism, you can't hold your leaders to account. You can't participate in a democracy. Frankly, you can't have a democracy. So press freedom is one of those essential freedoms that's the driver of all of our other freedoms. Uh, in fact, that was the theme this past week at the UNESCO World Press Freedom Day celebrations uh, in New York City at the United Nations. Uh, is that press freedom is this sort of foundational right that allows us to enjoy all the others. Uh, it's perfect. And I hope people take that to heart. We need to embrace the press. Look, I'm, I'm disenchanted, disheartened by watching the newspapers shrink to, we call it a pamphlet now. The Miami Herald is basically a pamphlet now. Um, we need to support local journalism because if we don't the the kind of stuff that the last administration tried to get away with with replacing local electors and pulling these uh, shenanigans with school boards and stuff that can happen it happens in darkness when there is no media to shine a light on it so support your local media subscribe to your local newspapers you know this because once it's gone i don't think it's coming back Uh, i couldn't agree more um and if it comes back, it comes back in a zombified form that doesn't really serve the general public and is, you know, more of a Trojan horse, really. Uh, so, yeah, I completely agree with you. I urge everyone to go out, subscribe to their local newspaper, to their local magazine, to whatever they have uh, available to them right after they go to rsf.org, of course, and make a donation there. Definitely. And go and check out that you can spend hours seriously on these indexes from this year and past years and see how it's changed. You guys do a great job here. I'm so glad you exist. Clayton Weimers, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I urge everyone to go to rsf.org. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. Clayton Weimers from Reporters Without Borders, rsf.org. RSF is Reporters Sans Frontiers. My my phony French there. With that, we're getting close to the end of the show. So here's the thing. I will not be here tomorrow. I mentioned this. I'm headed to New Orleans. My first time ever in New Orleans. David's too. We're old farts and we've never been to New Orleans. Um, Jazz Fest is this weekend. I've never been to Jazz Fest. Something I've always wanted to do. And I'm going because um, my friend Judith Owen is performing on Saturday. She's launching her U.S. tour for her new album, um, which is so good. She's recorded old bluesy songs from the 40s and 50s, race songs that, that never got airplay, that people didn't know because they were not allowed to be published or broadcast or anything. And they are they're down and dirty. And Judith tells the stories of the women who originally recorded these songs. So I can't wait. So I'm going to see her show on on Saturday at Jazz Fest. And then on Sunday, we're going to record an interview um, for my the new project that I have going. But I'm sure we'll hear it here as well. Um, so it, because I'm going to be enjoying music tomorrow and, and on the weekend, um, I thought tomorrow we would do that here as well. In fact, Judith Owen was on this show during the pandemic. It was July of 2020. So we were right in the thick of it. And she released an EP and um, uh, of, of songs written about that snapshot in time. And they were so good. Those songs are so good. So tomorrow we will rebroadcast that 
interview with Judith Owen, so you'll get to enjoy the uh, music from the artists that I'm going to see in New Orleans, if that makes sense. You will enjoy it. I hope you, I hope you check it out tomorrow. It's a break from the politics. We had good news today. Proud Boys convicted. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, more news about Clarence Thomas, so maybe he'll eventually get held accountable, although probably not. Um, so, you know, tomorrow, break from the news. <laughs> tomorrow, um, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, enjoy music, even though I won't be here. You can. And the chat room will be open, so I set it to be on a on a, um, the YouTube chat room. I set it to be an instant premiere. And the show will also air, of course, audio only on Progressive Voices and our regular audio streams. So, no, I do not have any interviews of Gordon Lightfoot. I never met Gordon Lightfoot, never got to interview him. I wish I had. Um, yeah. So... All right, I will have a blast at Jazz Fest. Um, you guys, hold down the fort. I'll be back Monday. We're only going for two days. I mean, it's not like... <laughs> but but hey, first vacation in much longer than the pandemic. I promise you, it's been a long time. So just to get away and do something different for a couple of days will be um, very welcome and needed. So uh, I hope you enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the show tomorrow. I hope you will. And uh, I'll see you on Monday. And on Monday, Ellie Mistal will be here. So we'll, we'll come back, hit the ground running. I'll make sure everything works, even though we don't get home until like late Sunday night. Anyway, um, that's it. Thank you for, for putting up with my crap. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. And um, go rock on, everybody. All right. I'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. And, and thank you. All right. We take care. Bye.